When Merrick Garland sent the FBI into former President Donald Trump's home, agents grabbed everything in sight. The lawlessness of that brute raid was proven by the Attorney General's own confession on Monday. In a federal court filing, he admitted they seized materials they were not entitled to have or even look at, documents covered by attorney-client and executive privilege. But not to worry, assured Garland, we used a taint team to ensure that the documents were properly segregated and protected. Oh, and by the way, there's no need, Your Honor, for a special master to be appointed because, well, the DOJ already looked at everything. In other words, Merrick Garland wants us to trust the government. Why in the world should we? These so-called taint teams are themselves tainted. They're an artifice, a charade. They pretend to be objective, but they're not because they're all on the same team as government prosecutors. It's like letting cops investigate cops. It's fair in name only. When Garland says, trust us, ask yourself this question. Does he deserve our trust? Well, let's review. This is the same guy who's been running a protection racket for Hunter and Joe Biden. He presides over an investigation of his boss's son amid evidence that directly implicates the father. But Garland refuses to appoint a neutral special counsel as federal regulations demand. Well, that explains why there have been no criminal charges, despite compelling evidence of influence peddling, money laundering, tax fraud. Hunter Biden was selling access to his powerful father. Foreign entities and governments paid millions of dollars. No one raided Hunter Biden's home. That's off limits. Yet we're supposed to trust Merrick Garland. This is the same AG who ordered the FBI to treat concerned parents as domestic terrorists. He refused to enforce the law when protesters threatened conservative Supreme Court justices outside their homes in a blatant attempt at obstructing an important high court ruling. Feel warm and fuzzy yet? (laughs) Garland also demands that we trust the FBI. That must be some kind of a twisted joke. Last Friday, the agency frog-marched a top official out of the building, after a cavalcade of whistleblowers said he undermined the Hunter Biden probe with political bias, shutting it down and spreading the lie that the laptop was Russian disinformation. This is the same FBI that played a role in pressuring social media to censure the laptop story. But that's not all. That canned agent reportedly gained approval to open an investigation of Donald Trump by concealing from top officials his partisan motivations. The 20 whistleblowers allege a pattern of political bias from high-ranking officials at the FBI. In other words, the Hoover Building is a cesspool of corruption. This is the same agency, you'll recall, that repeatedly lied to the FISA court to spy on the Trump campaign and later confessed to doctoring evidence to gain unlawful warrants. 
It's the same FBI that bankrolled an ex-British spy who invented phony evidence of collusion that the Bureau then exploited despite no credible evidence that it was true. Indeed, declassified documents now show that the FBI well knew at the outset that the anti-Trump dossier was utterly bogus and that it was all an elaborate hoax conjured up by Hillary Clinton. This is the same FBI whose former director, James Comey, stole government documents and leaked them to the media for the admitted purpose of triggering the appointment of a special counsel who just happened to be his longtime colleague and friend, Bob Mueller. Trust us, says Garland. Forget about it. Trust is earned. Merrick Garland, the Department of Justice, and the FBI have squandered all trust. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Merrick Garland's thick black pen got quite the workout the other day. The attorney general may have used more than one sharpie to obliterate the face of a document he used for that pre-dawn raid of former President Donald Trump's home. Garland literally shed more darkness than light on the matter. Much of what Garland grudgingly released to the public on Friday was a heavily redacted copy of the search warrant affidavit. It revealed precious little about why he chose to launch an unprecedented intrusion. The AG clearly prefers to bludgeon his boss's political adversary with the cudgel of pernicious leaks to the media, rather than being transparent about his legal maneuvering. Garland earlier claimed that he only speaks through his court filings, Then what did he do? He muzzled with ink the most important filing of all. 
He argued for secrecy while whispering into the ears of the liberal media outlets that promptly trashed Trump with ludicrous allegations of espionage and treason. If national security was truly in jeopardy, why did the attorney general dither for weeks before sending a phalanx of FBI agents to Mar-a-Lago to remedy something supposedly so urgent? Indeed, if bureau officials were aware of any errant documents in early June or even back as far as February, why wait for months to retrieve them? If there are answers to those vexing questions in the affidavit itself, well, you won't find them amid pages brimming with black lines. Nor will you find any reference to how Donald Trump and his legal team cooperated in returning previously requested documents to the National Archives. That kind of exculpatory information, well, that might have discouraged the magistrate from signing off on the warrant. Was he deceived by omission, as the FBI has done in the past when obtaining lawless warrants? Did the FBI misrepresent the government's discussions with Trump's lawyers? Well, we don't know, because so much Garland wiped out with black ink. In fact, the first eight pages are simply a rote recitation of background information, quotations from statutes that Garland cited to the magistrate to gain his consent for the raid. But the core of the affidavit that contains the attorney general's probable cause arguments and justification for the raid, that's pages 9 through 29, are nearly all redacted. Oh yeah, you know, the pagination is there, but that's about it. And then the affidavit ends abruptly with a two-sentence conclusion that reveals nothing meaningful. We already knew this sordid affair was a dispute over the custody of documents. If Trump declassified them, as he insists, then the statute involving the retention of classified materials has no relevance whatsoever. The other two laws cited by Garland involve improper possession of government records. There's just one pesky little problem. Pursuant to the Presidential Records Act, they don't apply. That act grants former presidents a right of access to presidential papers, as well as possession. The act is a specific statute. It takes precedence over general statutes, namely those cited by the Attorney General. There's nothing readable in the affidavit that alleges that Donald Trump harbored any criminal intent to break the law. And the absence of such a claim is conspicuous inasmuch as all three statutes upon which Garland relies demand proof that an accused person act willfully, knowingly, or deliberately. Even if Trump somehow violated the Presidential Records Act, well, the proper legal cure is a civil enforcement proceeding. The Attorney General could simply have filed a motion in court to compel the return of the material sought. An impartial judge would then sit there and resolve the dispute by evaluating the competing interests, consistent with the law, the Presidential Records Act. 
but instead Merrick Garland overreached and pursued a criminal course against Trump that smacks of thuggish authoritarianism. Garland employed a general warrant. But wait a minute, that's strictly forbidden by our Constitution's Fourth Amendment that requires a description of specific or particular places to be searched and things to be seized. Garland's warrant did not. The raid on Trump's home was the definition of an unreasonable search and seizure as FBI agents spent 10 hours rummaging through offices and buildings at Mar-a-Lago and snooping through Melania's closet. They grabbed everything in sight. This was always an investigation in search of a crime where government agents manipulated a disagreement over records as a pretext for something else, sniffing around for a document that might tie Donald Trump to some other imagined offense. Friday's release of the heavily redacted affidavit did nothing to dispel this very real possibility. In a case that yearns for transparency, the attorney general chose concealment. But don't expect Garland's assault on justice to end here. More leaks from his politicized department will take venomous aim at Joe Biden's nemesis as the current administration lays waste to the rule of law. Joining me now to talk about it is Pam Bondi, the former attorney general of Florida. And Pam, thanks for joining the brief. Let's begin with the latest news, if we may. An FBI agent accused by whistleblowers, a whole bunch of whistleblowers, they accused the agent of political bias in both the Hunter Biden case and the opening of an FBI investigation of Donald Trump. This agent was escorted out of the Hoover building after what's being described as a forced resignation. What's your reaction to that? You know, Greg, to start off, I think you and I have always said there are so many great men and women in the FBI throughout this country who do great things every day. And what we've both seen throughout the years of them and their witch hunt against Donald Trump is it starts at the top. And it's the bad people at the top that are making the rest look bad. And that's what's been happening in our country ever since he decided to run for office. It's a handful of the deep state, and they're not going to give up. Yeah, and the fact that 20 whistleblowers have had the courage to come forward, and I agree with you, the vast majority of FBI agents um, are honest, honorable, hardworking people. They do great work. It's people at the top. This sort of cesspool of corruption, as I've I've called it, by top officials. And I commend these 20-some-odd whistleblowers. That's an astonishing number who have come forward to Senator Chuck Grassley, Ron Johnson, uh, on the House side, uh, Jim Jordan. They've come forward, and they've blown the whistle, and they have alleged this pattern of political bias. Those are Grassley's words, by top officials, plural, that has infected the FBI. But it, it, it's no surprise, is it? it? It is more than just one bad actor who was escorted out of the building last Friday. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, well, the 20 whistleblowers first who came forward, that speaks volumes, you know, because these men and women, they are, they're career FBI. This is their lives. They have dedicated their lives to public service, to helping people, to finding missing children, to doing wiretaps on murder cases, all the great things that the FBI has always done. Yet now, these 20 people, and Greg, I have a feeling, I bet you do too, that a lot more are going to come forward. You know, it only takes one. And then they start to crumble. Then they all start coming out. And so I think those people have to be protected. That's why they're called whistleblowers. And they're going to do everything they can to to hurt these people. But yeah, thank goodness. And you know, we've heard Donald Trump saying, hey, men and women of the FBI, I know you know what's going on. Come forward and, and tell us. And that's what's starting to happen. And that's what they're doing, you know, with with Chuck Grassley and with the members of the U.S. Senate. They're doing everything they can, I think, to save our country, because not only has the FBI been politicized, but they've been weaponized, which is even worse, to go after political opponents of the Democrats. Yeah. And, and, you know, Garland's attitude is, oh, trust us, we're the government. Um, but this is the, the same FBI that we've just learned played a role in pressuring social media to censor the Hunter Biden laptop story. Uh, you know, th- this is th- the same FBI that uh, approved an investigation of Donald Trump uh, based on a phony dossier that the FBI knew was bogus I mean, this is the FBI that repeatedly lied to the FISA court to gain a search warrant that was based in part on a doctored uh, set of records that was altered by an FBI lawyer who then confessed and pled guilty. And, and, you know, we're supposed to trust the FBI? I mean, my goodness, trust is earned, isn't it? And they haven't earned it. Exactly. And and I, I, I think that, that the first warrant you were talking about, that the main part of it was based on lies, complete lies. And, you know, the, the good men in the FBI, they've had to deal with that since conception of that first warrant. And now I think they're sick and tired of it. They're fed up. And I think we're going to see more and more agents coming forward saying how wrong this is what they did. You know, Greg, I think this backfired on them. I really thought, you know, they've tried everything from day one to go after Donald Trump. And I think they thought when they raided Mar-a-Lago and started talking about ridiculous things like the nuclear code and all of these things that were in Mar-a-Lago, I think they thought they would turn him into a criminal and it didn't. It backfired on them. And and it's making the FBI look bad, look horrible. You know, know, one thing also about the FBI that you think we've talked about before is, you know, what we saw that morning during that raid, when we're all watching it on television, the day long raid that went on, there were about 30 FBI agents on the ground. But we know it had to have taken hundreds to pull that off. All the ones in DC, all the ones they had stationed at the Miami field office, just waiting. They had FBI agents in the water. They had FBI agents in the air, all the ones behind the scenes, who were, you know, who did everything. So look at all the manpower this took away from legitimate day-to-day really good functions that the FBI could be doing. And I think the great men and women of the FBI are sick of it. They're sick and tired of being politicized and now weaponized. You know, uh, I had to laugh at Merrick Garland, as I always do. He's such a fraud because he 
in his court filing uh, on Monday, uh, arguing against the uh, appointment by the Federal District Court of a special master to segregate these uh, documents that they seized wrongfully, uh, attorney-client privilege stuff, he says, well, no need for a special master because we already looked at all of the documents we seized and don't worry about those privileged documents that we shouldn't have seized because we had our own taint team. Uh, so, you know, everything was done properly. Taint teams are themselves tainted because it's the same department. They have a mutual interest. And given Garland's track record of weaponizing the DOJ for political purposes, I have no doubt that everybody in the Washington field office has looked at these privileged documents, which they should not do. What do you think? Of course they have. It's the police policing the police, right? Who's going to police the police? And that's what they're doing. Oh, we've got this covered. We don't need a taint team. We've done it ourselves. And, and you know, of course, I, I wish that immediately um, a special master had been appointed and those documents had been frozen. You know, though, even if they had done that, Greg, you know, they had an, a Miami field office probably full of the D.C. top agents who have been in on this just waiting to go through those boxes. They couldn't wait to go through those boxes. There, there were thousands of records. So it would have had to have required, you know, a, a huge team of Department of Justice FBI officials to go through all of those uh, in in the amount of time since the raid and as of yesterday when Garland, you know, makes this court filing. Uh, and And the other part of it is, he he actually his admission that they seized confidential privileged records only demonstrates the lawlessness of of his raid they had a general search warrant which is forbidden uh by the fourth amendment to the united states constitution all warrants are supposed to be specific this was not this was a a general warrant it was carte blanche Grab anything you like. That's right. Oh, so and that's why they went through Melania's closet. I mean, we say that jokingly, but they did. Thank goodness the Trump family has surveillance footage from there. Why, Greg, in the world could they have seized President Trump's diplomatic passport? That That is absurd. And, of course, they had to give that back. But, and, you know, they're taking personal mementos, personal photos. It was just come in there and let's grab anything we can because we both know it was a fishing expedition because they've had nothing on Donald Trump for years. They still have nothing on him. And this is, I think, their last ditch effort, basically. And yeah, so don't get me going on this judge again. You know, this, this judge is, as we've spoken about, this, this judge ha has, he's tainted. <laughs> He dislikes Donald Trump. He had posted on social media he dislikes Donald Trump, horrible things about President Trump. And the guy also had recused himself just not even two months ago on a case involving Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton because he couldn't be objective. Yet then he comes in and signs this warrant. And now we know there are no exigent circumstances because We've learned that Merrick Garland sat on it in his office for two weeks. Two weeks he had this. So what was going to change during that time frame to make it exigent? That they, Meaning, of course, that they had to get in there right away or evidence was going to be destroyed or evidence was going to disappear. 
If it was sitting on Merrick Garland's desk for two weeks, why don't you go into the court and say, I did this so many times as a prosecutor. You know how many people I didn't have comply with subpoenas? Hundreds of subpoenas. They just don't. So you know what you do? You go to the judge and do a motion to compel. Judge, this is a subpoena. They're not compelling. If they don't, you issue a new subpoena. So, So none of that was done in this case, which is just, it's really astonishing to me the way they frankly got away with it so far. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that last part, because at its core, this is a dispute over presidential records, which always happens when uh, a president leaves office. There's this tug of war between the National Archives and, and the uh, former president. So the controlling statute is the Presidential Records Act of 1978. But if you read it, and I mm-hmm. said this on air the day of the raid, this is a specific statute. It takes precedence over general criminal statutes cited by Garland. Uh, but the, the statute does give a right of control and custody and possession to a former president for a certain period of yes. time. Now, if the attorney, yes. if the attorney general thought that uh, the former president had records that didn't belong to him, his proper remedy is to go to court in a civil proceeding to enforce the Presidential Records Act, isn't it? That's right. That's exactly how you handle it. And in any search warrant, you if you're going to do a search warrant in lieu of that, you know, you've they, they would have had to have exhausted all other other remedies unless they had exigent circumstances, which you and I know means that they were worried that someone was in there and that evidence was going to be destroyed. Yet we know the president agreed to put an extra lock on the closet where those documents were kept. President Trump wasn't even there. He was in New Jersey or New York at the time, but living in Bedminster in New Jersey. He wasn't even there. And yeah, it's interesting. So much of the the affidavit that's been redacted. I'd like to know how much the judge knew about all of this that Merrick Garland set on it for two weeks that there was the extra lock on the door, that they had been in negotiations with the Trump team, just like you said, just like they did with Barack Obama, just like they did, I think, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State with her, with documents that she, obviously, her that's a whole other story, her hard drive that she took. Um, and, and then the uh, only other reason that you would do a warrant like that of that magnitude, an assault on the president by land, by sea, by air, which is how they did it, the only reason is if you think... There's a murderer in there and, and, and someone is about to be harmed or something horrible is going to happen. That would be the only other reason other other than you think documents are about to be destroyed. So I'm not sure if they it was it would be like if a member of a drug cartel was hiding in Mar-a-Lago and they got word of it. So they needed to run in right away and get a search warrant and go in there and raid Mar-a-Lago at 630 in the morning. And now we know, of course, that that none, none of that happened. None of that was even a potential and, and that Merrick Garland just sat there on his, with it on his desk. I think really, I think that, Greg, is the most damning thing of all, that he had it for two weeks, contemplating yeah. on whether he should do this, I'm sure. Yeah, if, if national security is jeopardized by classified documents in the wrong place, where was Garland's sense of urgency? Uh, and, it, and indeed, more than just two weeks, uh, at least a couple of months, if not more, that... Uh, according to Garland's own court filings, uh, they knew 
that there were what they say are classified documents. They may have actually been declassified. Um, and yet they didn't do anything about it. Uh, you know, given Garland's track record, Pam, of, and it's an abysmal record, of weaponizing the DOJ for political purposes, you know, going after parents as domestic terrorists, refusing to enforce the law when Supreme Court justices are threatened, uh, clear obstruction of justice, trying to get them to overturn their tentative decision on uh, Roe versus Wade. Uh, there's no reason to believe him or trust him. Uh, and then you've got a full 20 pages of a 30-page affidavit that Garland blacked out. I mean, no surprise there. In a case that demands transparency and honesty, Garland seeks to conceal, which invites the question, what's he hiding? My answer is his own lawlessness. What do you think? Of, of course. And, and, you know, remember they, they put in there early on, what did they release? You know, and all these drip, drip releases of uh, leaks from, from the, from the justice department, you know, they're talking about the espionage act. And, you know, we know that's to be used against it. It's crazy when people are using information against the United States of America for gain of a foreign nation, Really? None of that happened there, but they had to use the word espionage to make it seem like the president was a spy. Um, so, yeah, that's why they had to redact it all, because there's nothing there. Um, and, and I think it's interesting that they won't tell us all of the documents that they have retrieved from being there as well. Oh, but Merrick Garland's more than happy to whisper into the ears of the liberal media, his preferred outlets, the New York Times or the Washington Post, uh, uh, you know, leaking information uh, that is detrimental to Donald Trump, while at the same time insisting that the Department of Justice has integrity and I won't attack the, I won't allow anyone to attack the integrity of the Department of Justice while they're leaking to the media at the same time. They, they're hiding information in the affidavit, but they're leaking the contents to the media. It's outrageous. It is outrageous. So let's say someone unrelated to Merrick Garland had, had leaked something. What would, what would you and I have done? Called everyone into that office, given them polygraphs, and fired them immediately. Anyone who leaked anything. But you know why they're not going to do that? Because they're the ones leaking it from the very top. <laughs> Not the members of the team. They're the ones leaking it. You know, the, the worst leakers in they, Washington. They should have come out immediately and condemned that. Yeah. Oh, I agree. But hasn't uttered a word. The worst leakers in Washington are the Department of Justice and the FBI. Bar none. Always have been. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's only escalated under Merrick Garland. Last question. And you alluded to this earlier. The the FBI went in there and they grabbed everything. They ransacked the joint. They spent 10 hours scooping up everything in sight. They bring in a safe cracker uh, to open Trump's safe, which is empty. So in my judgment, this whole thing was simply a pretext to get inside the compound in hopes of finding something, anything that the DOJ and the FBI could pin on Donald Trump, maybe some imagined conspiracy sedition crime related to January 6th. So this is, in my judgment, an investigation in search of a crime. Isn't that illegal? Absolutely. Of course it's illegal. 
And that's, I, I think, too, because if, you, if we think about the timing, you know, we know with the elections coming up, we know with Liz Cheney getting defeated by a landslide, thank goodness. Um, we know that January 6th is going to come to a wrap very soon. So they're running out of time and, and they're desperate. And so what better way, if, if you're devious and deceptive, than to try to, as again, a last ditch effort, to, to try to just burst into the home of the president and see what he has in there, anything incriminating, anything they can go after him on, um, some more salacious information for January 6th, because that's coming to an end. I just find the timing so interesting of that. It's another witch hunt. Somebody wrote a book entitled Witch Hunt that was actually, <laughs> I A very brilliant author wrote a book. Pretty good, yeah. Uh, I'm the author of Witch Hunt, uh, the, Great book. The, the greatest mass delusion in American political history. Pam Bondi, uh, former attorney general of Florida, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. I think you're going to have to write another book after this, Witch Hunt <laughs> number two. Don't tempt me. Thank you. Thanks, man. And that's The Brief. I'm Bye. Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.